of Dowry, in which we look at the business end of the AFC Asian Cup as eight teams are set to battle it out in the quarterfinals in Qatar. We also have a look at how the Arab nations got on at the Africa Cup of Nations in the Ivory Coast, of course. A word of warning, it's not pretty listening. Uh, as usual, with me is news sports editor Ali Khalid from Arab News, the one and only Ali. How are you? Um, not great, Peter. Not great. <laughs> no, I, 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 I can imagine. I, I, I asked that with some trepidation. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm well, thank you. Good to be back. But yeah, the, not too good on the football front. Uh, it's been a dismal week for Arab teams at the AFC yeah. Asia Cup and in Africa. Um, look, in both competitions, you know, we started with 16 uh, teams out of a total of uh, 48. We had high hopes. Uh, and certainly in, in Africa, we thought Morocco was one of the... Uh, um, favorites in Asia. I personally picked Saudi Arabia as well. Uh, but, you know, as the round of 16 finishes and in both tournaments, and we're looking forward to the quarterfinals, only two Arab teams remain. Yeah, quite disappointing at the at the Asian Cup. You know, it looked good after the in the group stages. Uh, you know, like of the 10 in Asia, like eight had qualified uh, to the round of 16. So there was, you know, Again, you know, that was uh, relatively promising. Only Oman and Lebanon failed to qualify. And Lebanon really should have qualified, but conceded two late, very late goals uh, against Tajikistan uh, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, as I say. You know, um, uh, the round of 16, however, was, you know, was mostly a horror show. Uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, my choice, perhaps the most fancied of the Arab teams, uh, but it, it was a heartbreaking loss. I mean, uh, you know, they'd taken the lead just after half time through Abdullah Radif, but, you know, and held on. I mean, South Korea really kind of like was one wave after another of attacks. And, you know, Saudi held on till the 99th minute, you know, nine minutes into stoppage time, uh, but conceded a header to Cho Gui Sung. Um, so from that moment on, you know, really expected maybe South Korea to win it in uh, in extra time. They managed to get to penalties. Sami al and Abdurrahman Gharib missed for Saudi, you know, and Korea scored all of their uh, all of their penalties to win 4-2. Really, the big controversy came just at the end there, you know. Uh, <clears throat> um, something I'd really want to discuss with our guest later on as well. Um, yeah, like Roberto Mancini, even before the last South Korean penalty had, had gone in, Turned around, turned his back, and started walking towards the tunnel, you know, sort of expecting uh, what was to come. Or uh, and uh, let's just say it did not go down well at all. I mean, South Korea did score the penalty, and Saudi Arabia were out, but uh, it did not go back. There was an immediate backlash. You'd imagine on mm. social media, absolutely. Saudi Saudi fans were not happy. You know, plenty of uh, you know uh, criticism, varying from calling him cowardly to arrogant. Um, the head of the Saudi Arabian Football Federation, Yasser al-Mizhal, called him called the actions unacceptable. Uh, he, he wasn't too scathing. He said, we will talk to him about it, but he's already uh, uh, you know, apologized to the players. He had apologized to the players, and in the press conference, he said, oh, I thought the match was over and all that, which is a strange claim. Um, 
you know, has all of that come too late for him? You know, is it, uh, I mean, some people are saying, you know, it will cost him his job, but, you know, we'll wait and see on, on that. Uh, the UAE, you know, flipped the scenario, the Saudi scenario in that they were, uh, uh, you know, they were losing uh, and uh, to Tajikistan and scored six minutes into stoppage time. You know, there was wild celebrations, uh, but, you know, there was no goals in extra time. Maybe you thought they would go on win, uh, and they lost 5-3 on, uh, on penalties as well. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. And penalties as well in both scenarios. So yeah. uh, not not great. Just I, I can't wait uh, for our guest. Just to, to, to I'm sort of going to bite my tongue now and, and, and save it for, for him to discuss that uh, Mancini scenario. But, I mean, he's made it very, very tough for himself, in my opinion, uh, apologising. and all. Oh, It's just it's a sorry state of affairs. But listen... It's not all doom and gloom, though, uh, Ali. We did have a classic all-Arab tie, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, yes, uh, it's a tie of the round, probably the match of the tournament. Jordan beat uh, Iraq 3-2 uh, in what can Didn't only see that coming. Yeah, what can only be described as controversial circumstances, a crazy circumstance, really. <laughs> uh, Jordan took the lead just before half-time. Uh, Iraq had turned it around by the 75th minute, and that's where it all uh, went uh, crazy. You know, uh, Ayman Hussein, who, who made it to one, just made it to one. Sort of mimicked uh, Jordan uh, Jordan's earlier celebration where the players sat down and pretended they were eating, you know, like, and he mimicked that. And and the referee, the Iranian referee, decided to give him a yellow card for that. Uh, again, it was just very unclear at the time, you know, why was he being booked? You know, uh, did he think this was uh, inflammatory? Uh, as, but anyway, he got the he got the second yellow card, was sent off. So. You know, Jordan, um, sorry, I should say Iraq, you know, we're playing the last 15 minutes plus of stoppage time with, you know, with 10 men and, you know, but they were leading and they almost held out. But Jordan scored twice in the 95th and 97th minute to deep, deep into stoppage time. As you can imagine, the celebrations were hysterical. Uh, the wild. Iraqis, yeah, wild. Time this. Iraqis are not happy at all, obviously, about what happened. Again, a lot of uh, unhappy people on social media, a lot of conspiracy theories. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, in the end, I mean, you know, at least in this case, you know, the, the winners were another Arab team that uh, that went through. So, uh, yeah, you know, Bahrain, you know, we kind of expected they'd lose to Japan and they did 3-1. Uh, Syria um, managed a 1-1 draw with uh, Iran. Uh, you know, they, they played extra time with the uh, um you know with 10 men uh, uh iran had so but uh you know they you know syria lost on penalties again on penalties you know uh play on the old joke you know if there was a competition for losing on penalties you know an arab team will probably lose it on penalties you know in the final you know so they it's just you know it was just one Disappointment after another, really, over that. Uh, but, you know, another Arab team, of course, did make it. That's the host. And the final word on that match, Qatar against Palestine. Uh, you know, Palestine led 1-0 uh, through the star man, Odai Dabbagh. Uh, but goals by Al-Haidus and Akram Afif, you know, gave the host, uh, Qatar, a narrow victory. Um, you know, but fantastic play by Palestine. I think considering all the circumstances, you know, lack of preparation and all that and what's going on uh, in Gaza, I think... Uh, they they made their people proud, shall we say. So that was a bright spot, although they got knocked out. So now Arab hopes lie with Jordan, who have a real chance of reaching the semifinals for the first time against Tajikistan and the reigning champions, Qatar, who take on uh, Uzbekistan. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. But it was overall quite disappointing, you know, to go from, you know, we, we, you know, 
I, I would have thought it was like four, if four had made the, the quarterfinals, that would have been part of the course, you know, but yeah, only two have made the quarterfinals of the Arab nations. So, Brilliant stuff, Ali. Great, great stuff. Listen, a uh, special mention to Palestine as well. Um, they did. They, they were sort of a, a shining light. And uh, believe me when I say they have many, many more fans outside of yeah. Palestine as well. Uh, okay. Listen, it gets no better, unfortunately. Let's talk the Africa Cup of Nations. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't get better. It's much worse, in fact. Uh, you know, shocking performances from Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco and Egypt. Only Morocco managed any sort of wins. They won twice, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, all of them were knocked out by the round of 16. You know, Tunisia and Algeria in the group stages. Morocco lost 2-0 to South Korea, uh, sorry, South Korea, uh, South Africa. Uh, with mm. Ashraf Hakimi missing a penalty when it was still 1-0 as well. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, Morocco were one of the favourites. Egypt's campaign, they drew three, all their matches in the in the group stage. A lot of controversy about, uh, or, you know, concerns about uh, Mo Salah. It was, the campaign was overshadowed by his injury. He went back to Liverpool. Some people didn't like that, a lot of the fans. But in all honesty, I mean, even if he was fit, I don't think he would have saved them. They didn't look in great shape. Uh, I think even with Mo Salah, they wouldn't have won it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, in Africa. Voice of reason there. That's the first That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, and I mean, we it, were hoping. It, it does know? make sense. Yeah. And weren't Liverpool going to... If, if he had, Ali, if, 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 if Egypt had progressed as hoped, yeah. they would have... I mean, he would have yeah. had a quick turnaround and yeah, be back, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they would have sent him back. I Also, I think, you know... He does. He is getting better treatment in Liverpool for sure. Like a, a, um, yeah. the staff that know him really, really well. And also, I mean, there was like a lot of you know some Egyptian fans said you know he, he prefers Liverpool and like this is for Liverpool's benefit and he, he's not being loyal and all that. But I'm not. I'm not sure how Mo Salah being injured helps Liverpool at all. Really, you know. I mean, this is not a scenario that helps Liverpool in any way. So yeah, in, in the end, you know, nobody really benefited from his from his injury. Two two people I've heard a great. Uh, with the same scenario as you. And one of our guests, uh, who knows Mo Salah very, very well, uh, Islam Jimmy Gamal uh, of mm. Egyptian fame. And he said the same, best place uh, for recuperation. And um, there's a man who knows something about fitness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, in the end, just very, very disappointing from Egypt. Morocco, you know, as disappointing as well. You know, I really had hopes. I mean, we remember all their heroics, in the World Cup, but doesn't always translate, you know, a year later. Step in, too in, far. Yeah. L- Listen, AK, not what we'd hoped for um, at all. So a good time uh, to bring in our special guest. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Matt, same, same line to you, really. Uh, not what we'd hoped for since the last time we chatted. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad at all. I've really enjoyed the Asian Cup. I think it's been a tremendous tournament. Um, same for the AFCON as well. I think these these mid-season tournaments can sometimes get castigated from certain quarters. But I think both tournaments are really delivered. That's great, Matt. Uh, listen, I mean, you know, I've been going on. I'm sure you've been listening to me for the last 10 minutes rant on about how Arab teams have not performed. Uh, in truth, it's not just about Arab teams, of course. You know, there are like plenty of other teams there. But like, you know, obviously the, as... Uh, you know, Dowry, the uh, podcast by Arab News, we tend to focus on the Arab teams. I know you, you know, you told me uh, off air earlier that you're not as uh, dejected as I am regarding the performances. What do you think, what do you make of, of it so far? I think it's been highs and lows, hasn't it? I think we've been, I think if you look at it on paper, it's very disappointing to see the, you know, the round of 16, Syria, UAE, 
Saudi Arabia all going eliminated, going home after you know, the narrowest of margins on penalties. And you have to say in each penalty shootout as well, they looked distinctly second best uh, as well. And then in the in the other games as well, see that Iraq game was just, I mean, almost unprecedented. I think what went on in, in due time. Uh, I've never seen a game like it. And back in, I think, you know, 3-1 against an improving Japan. That's a you know, pretty solid result. And in, in between that as well, you've had some, I think, some pretty good, impressive individual performers for the likes of us. We, we expected so much of Altamari coming in for Jordan. I think he's really delivered in that role that, for example, the, there's so much pressure on him and there's so much responsibility in Altamari. He's much more than just a winger for Jordan. I think he's really delivered in a way that, for example, Mohamed Salah didn't do in the the game and a half or so we saw him play for Egypt at the AFCON. I think Altamari's had a much more rounded game. His teammate Al Mahdi as well getting a few goals. Al Batat for Palestine and Davaga thought they were excellent game assists and goals between them. And then I think, I guess the big disappointment is probably Iraq. If you look at the youngster Ali Jassin leading the assist chart, Ayman Hussain, the journeyman striker in this region, uh, leading the way with the goals as well. And they appeared as well. The, the, it, the competition seemed to be really opening up for them, didn't it? And then obviously that what happened at the end against Jordan. I think I think that's the real disappointment for me that you look at the the way the draw is shaping up and the way that some of the the, the bigger heavy the heavyweights traditional heavyweights aren't really playing amazingly yet. You felt that Iraq much rather than Jordan have a real chance of you know could they repeat the 2007 heroics? It seemed yeah. it seemed at one stage that, that could have been. Could have been happening um and then i guess i would highlight as well the big positive for me and i don't think it's a, it's a surprise necessarily but i think the player of the tournament undoubtedly so far has been Qatar and Akram Afif. and he was obviously the, the heartbeat of the 2019 success and he seems to be i guess he's going back to his best isn't he in this tournament it's been i think by his lofty standards at club level for al Saad, it's not been the greatest few years certainly not really making an impression in the afc champions league uh but he's delivering for his nation and they, I think they are carrying the flag now for this region. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, in particular, himself and Al Ali were very disappointing in the World Cup. Probably mm. Qatar's two most disappointing players in terms of what we had expectations for them. So it's good to see him back in form. Just another point on uh, Musa Al-Tamari in, uh, for Egypt. Like, obviously, you know, uh, already plays in Europe, uh, having a great season with Montpellier. And no disrespect to Montpellier, of course. But do you think, you know, this could, you know, if uh, Jordan progress even further, and there's a good chance of it against Tajikistan, do you think you know this might propel him for like you know in the way that Mo Salah around 26, 27, you know, like his career really took off? You know, do you think maybe with uh, Musa uh, Tamari, you know, it, it might propel him to like a, a slightly higher level where he could possibly move to the Premier League or one of the big big leagues? I think I mean I think his performances in Montpellier will still obviously carry the greatest weight, but it's probably just an added bonus isn't it he can show responsibility and show that he can live up you know carry that weight of expectation i think that will impress you know clubs higher up in league and maybe even like you say to the premier league and the la liga and Serie A. he's been linked to these leagues before uh, i think he's always made very adroit career moves he's uh, and it's all building up now you're looking he's now about to enter his prime years of football terms and yeah, it would not be a surprise if a big move happens this summer and obviously strong performances of the Asian Cup can only help that. Yeah. Matt, we have to talk about Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, obviously we had you on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, I picked them as uh, um, my tip for the title. Perhaps more uh, 
to the heart than the, than the head mm. a little bit in, in retrospect. But I genuinely, obviously, I, I did think that they were, uh, and still think that, you know, of all the Arab teams, they were probably, they are the, the strongest. Obviously came up against this strong South Korea team, but the circumstances, obviously, again, penalties and all that. What did you think of the match for a start? And then we'll get on to what you thought of uh, Roberto Mancini's performance. I thought it was by far the best performance of the tournament in Saudi Arabia by, you know, by a complete distance. Um, mm. And again, I think he's just such a revelation. I love watching him play, but Saud Abdelhamid looks so comfortable at that level against that opposition. He's just a, a, an absolute machine, isn't he, at right back? Someone who I feel could quite effortlessly play in a big five league and play for a really good team in a big five league as well. Um, Tambakti coming back into the team as well, having that pace at centre-back and... I thought Mancini, obviously, and you have the, the impact of Radif, instant impact of Radif off the bench as well. What a finish that was. I mean, someone who's scored, I think it's only, uh, I think it's about four Roshan Saudi League goals in his entire career. He's still obviously very young as well, and doing a few loan spells at Al Pau and Al Shabab. And he finished with a plum, didn't he? Uh, and yeah. obviously, the, the celebration, Marcus Rashford obviously enjoyed the celebration. We saw that on social media as well. Um, so I think my, I think my, it's an issue that Mancini has talked about, and I feel the same. It just felt that, that Saudi Arabia, no matter how well they were set up and how well they played in that game, they just didn't have the the, kit, the cutting edge to be up top. And if you look how South Korea ended that match with Huang, Son, Cho, all on the pitch together, I might be missing out some of the players as well. Yeah. They had so much more goal threat than um, Saudi Arabia did as a collective. Um, yeah. I think a question for Mancini is that we've seen in Russian side league this season that Salam al has been, I think it's one, been one of his best campaigns to date so far. He's looked brilliant yeah. with uh, George Jesus back. And he just didn't really look the same in this tournament. So was that because he ended, I think he ended up playing a lot more of the games in a more central position, allowed to float in from that left side. Maybe that was an issue. Maybe he was also playing three defenders at the back as well for quite a few of the matches, Saudi Arabia. Uh, and then I guess in general, obviously, everyone's talking about the Mancini moment. Um, but that, to me, is someone, as you can maybe my accent portrays, I come from Manchester. I'm aware of what Roberto Mancini is like after his years at Manchester City. And he's he's always behaved like this throughout his career. It's not a surprise. He's a, Some would say he's petulant. Others would say he's passionate. It depends where you stand on the divide. But ultimately, the guy is a winner. And I think that he... Sometimes his emotions might get the best of him. But I think in general, it's obviously not been an electric start uh, for life with Saudi Arabia so far. But I really do think for long spells against South Korea, that Saudi Arabia looked at that level. Um, and I think there's more maybe wider systemic issues that uh, were against Mancini in regards to like weight of talent rather than maybe the system they set up, which I certainly think for that game anyway. And you know what? Also, my most enjoyable moment of this tournament so far as well was the end of the Oman game. We obviously saw the Garib goal, Al-Balahi repeating his balloon celebration, which we've seen in the league as well. Um, yeah. You know, I think that was that was great. Um, it's just frustrating, I guess, in Saudi Arabia that they got that you know, incredibly tough round of 16 draw against South Korea, which they weren't expecting. And that game could have gone either way. It really could have done. And they were only seconds away, let's not forget, from Absolutely the famous winner. And, uh, maybe, maybe, just, to, just to interject, sorry, I think another issue then is the timing. I go, maybe there was just some game management issues as well. There was a few times where I thought in that 
injury time where Fadu Abin maybe could have won the foul or given away a foul or just kept the ball a bit better. But they were playing a quality South Korea team who will fight to the end with quality options like Cho. And also, like uh, Matt, you would say that the Mancini's substitutions were designed like sort of to shut down the game, you know, and, you know, maybe it obviously, as you just mentioned, it didn't work out that way. But uh, uh, but when you do that, maybe perhaps like a few, um, you know, conservative substitutions, shall we say, and you can see so late on, you're almost, you know, mentally thinking, well, you know, we better just survive extra time rather than, you know, like, you know, like go for it because you've taken, you know, I think Dalsari had gone off. So, um, so yeah, there was that. Just a quick point on another point uh, on something you mentioned there. No cutting edge. This is something that we've talked we've talked about for months. You know, saying uh, you know like you know, this is where you know perhaps they lack the the over reliance on Salem and Dalsari as well. And you know, a few people mentioned look, you know, the the influence of all these foreign players coming to Saudi is that you know obviously I've, I've mentioned many times that you know, all these forward positions are taken up by foreign players, top foreign players. So there's not as many Saudi strikers, very, very few, you know. So you're, re- you're relying on a, on a very small pool. And, you know, the, the counter argument has been that having all these uh, talented uh, players, you know, world-class players will raise the level of the league, will impact players. Will get... But I think perhaps that, the positive effect, you know, it's been too sh- it's been too soon for that to impact like any up-and-coming strikers. And we kind of only got the negative part of it, which is, you know, just not that many Saudi forwards, you know, you can throw in and massively change the game. So, I mean, yeah, yeah that, I, I yeah. agree with that. I think a great example is a guy who was sat at home this winter, Alhamdan, who we saw at the start of the season for Al-Halal before, because obviously Al-Halal that protracted move for Mitrovic. And Alhamdan was banging in the goals at the start of the season. And then since Mitrovic has come in, we've not really seen anything of him. He then wasn't selected for this winter's tournament. And like, like you say, it's, we're at that phase, aren't we, in the Saudi development cycle where opportunities are being limited at the moment, but we haven't yet seen the, I guess, the educational side of things yeah. of being around these guys. So that may be for, that's a, a question for the third round of World Cup qualifying, maybe. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned before, it's not, I mean, obviously we focus on the Arab teams, but it's not just about the Arab teams. And, you know, now obviously going forward, um, you know, we're at the quarterfinal stage. You know, how do you see it going? You know, who you know, who do you see, you know, coming? We mentioned South Korea maybe didn't start off very well, or Japan, you know, but uh, you know they they were two, the two uh, favorites. Um, and are they playing themselves into form? And who else do you look at and uh, and see like uh, progressing? Obviously, you know, your views on Qatar as well. You know, I, to start with Qatar, that quarter-final between Qatar and Uzbekistan is mouth-watering. I think they've been the two most consistently impressive teams at this tournament. And I guess it's, it's a shame that one of them is going to be going home uh, at this stage. I think I've been... And also, I think, for me, the, the two players I've most enjoyed watching this tournament as well. I think Faizulev for Uzbekistan and Afif for Qatar, they've both been exceptional uh, so far. And they'll be up against each other in this game. I think that's, that, that, that to me looks like if there's, and looking at the ties, that's a tie where, I mean, can you call the holders a surprise winner? I don't know, but if you were to call, you know, Qatar to retain the tie, I think one of those two teams are certainly look strongest to be able to upset Japan or South Korea, uh, particularly with Iraq now at home, which is, I think it's a real shame. Again, Iraq, I really feel that 
the Iraq team against an Australia that um, I guess shows signs of life against Indonesia, but I really don't think they're anything near like the Australian teams of old. And a South Korea that have a weight of talent, but obviously so many question marks about Klinsman and the setup of the team. I think they could have really, you know, really gone far. Um, so I'm looking at the draw now. I think I'm really intrigued by Qatar Uzbekistan. And just for, for consistency's sake, I think people, long people have been listening to this podcast all this season. I've been saying South Korea just because of the weight of talent. And I think I'll, I'll stick to that. I think they feel like the team that I think they can, they look really strong. And obviously they, they're so determined to win this title. I mean, with Sun Young Min, with, you know, he's talked about, he's getting old and he's not this young player anymore. And it's, it's so long. It's, it's, it's a crazy amount of time since her career last lifted this title. I think there's just there's a bit of momentum behind that. I think they were, they certainly ended the game against Saudi Arabia best when they started it. Matt Moraghan, thank you so much as always. And uh, uh, we'll, I'm sure we're going to have you on the show sometime soon. Thanks, guys. Brilliant. Brilliant. Brilliant as always, Matt. Great, great to, to hear from you. Uh, okay, Ali, Matt's just said there. He's sticking with it. Um, you can't, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Saudi were both our choices to win. So, looking at it sensibly now, uh, the, the heart rule is gone. So, you've got your sports editor head on. Who do you fancy? I, I, I mean, I just got a gut feeling that Japan might uh, might do it. You know, uh, again, you know, they you know, there was that loss in the the shock loss in the two uh, Iraq in the in the uh, group stage, but you know. Matt's been, you know, going on about uh, South Korea and Japan for a while now, yeah. saying they're the two strongest teams, and I agree with him. And now, I mean, I, like, I, like I said, I had uh, picked Saudi. Unfortunately, they're out. Good shout by Matt. I was also about uh, uh, Qatar. I mean, you know, hosts and you know, reigning champions. Let's not forget. I think the, the World Cup was, you know hopeless performance from them, you know, and, and kind of taken away. But there's, there's been a bit of a recovery now. So, you know, we can't count them out, you know, and so... The dark uh, horse know, role for Qatar? If, yeah, I mean, if they if they end up, like, somehow like, pulling it out of the bag and winning it, you know, then, again, it'll be a fantastic end for the Arab, uh, you know, for an Arab team as well. Uh, but I just got a gut feeling for Japan. So uh, I'll go for Japan. That could be a curse, but uh, let's wait and see. <laughs> I'm well familiar with that. Listen, an Asian flavour to end the podcast from both the boys. Uh, look forward to uh, catching up with Matt real soon. And, of course, seeing you lot next on the next episode of Dowry, when the identity of the next Asian champions will be much clearer. See you then. Yeah.